Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. issue last time too. So um, there, yeah, that's it. Am I pointing it the wrong way? Okay, well, a couple weeks ago, my husband and I um, had the opportunity to go down to um, Tennessee. Well, we stopped in Cincinnati and then went to Tennessee and we ended up in Nashville. And Learned some things about Nashville that I didn't know. I mean, I knew it was country music's birthplace or whatever. Um, They also fondly refer to it as Nash Vegas, which was a little disturbing. um, Because uh, some of the downtown area has become quite seedy. But while we were there, my husband and I, we had the opportunity to go to the Johnny Cash Museum. And I don't know if you guys know about Johnny Cash very much. I did not. I mean, I knew he sang Ring of Fire, Walk the Line, Hurt, you know, he was this man in black, which was interesting. Uh, The reason he wore black, he says, the reason he wore black was to to connect with the people who had hard times. Like, that was one of the reasons that he wore black. Uh, one an interesting thing for me, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Johnny Cash. He was born J.R., that was his name, was J.R. Cash. He was born to a very poor family, and one of the things that they did was, um, one of the things that they did to try and bring joy in their life was they sang a lot of gospel music and, and hymns. And he actually started to write music when he was 12 years old. He learned how to play the guitar, and he actually wrote songs at 12. When he, um, during that time when he was 12, his brother, who was 14, two years older than him, died in a horrific, an electric saw cut him in half. And he died like a week later. It was, it was awful. And that was something that Johnny just never, he talked about that was just like something that he remembered through his whole life. Not that you would forget it. I'm not saying that. It just impacted him in his whole life. So after high school, he went to join one of the forces, and he ended up stationed in Germany. And that's where he bought his very first guitar, was in Germany. And he formed a little band, and they played music there. And, again, gospel music was was his thing. And when he left um, the the forces, he came, and I'm sorry, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was the Air Force, but I don't remember. He came back to the States, and he decided he was going to go into the music business. So, um, again, he had this uh, list of songs that were gospel music, 
And he went to Sun Records and he auditioned for them. And Sun Records said, you got some kind of talent, it's really good, but gospel music doesn't sell. So go back, write something else, and come back and see me. And so he did. He went and wrote um, Hey Porter, so if you know Johnny Cash at all, that was his very first song that, that was released. And But he never relented and decided he was going to make um, religious songs. He put it on the shelf for a little while, but he was going to to record them someday. As his career and influence grew, he ended up putting one spiritual song on almost every single album he uh, ever produced. And there was like 97 of them that he did himself, plus he was on others. We were standing in this room this wall from probably here to that wall, and there's records floor to ceiling just of all of his music, which is just, wow, that's a a lot of records. But with fame comes the seedy side, right? Um, And he he did, oh, I wanted to say, he did write one, uh, he did produce one album that was all gospel music. It was called The Holding Land. And he actually went to Israel to record like um, audio um, narration in the Holy Land and included that on his album. So, um, and we all know that Johnny Cash was a character. So he, in his early years, was not only was he, um, did he get into drinking, but he also was a womanizer and he became addicted to pain medication, Barbitol. And he considered that issue a personal issue, like it doesn't affect anybody else, it only affects me. Are we like, not, oh, oh, we forgot something. Can we go back? No. Okay. Um, in, in, in his book, so he, had, he had, uh, wrote a book called The Man in Black, he said, this is what he says, he said, I considered my problem personal until I was arrested in October 1966. He was arrested several times, but this particular time he was arrested. And he says, after a night in jail, the officer said to me, here, hand me my pill bottle. And he said, go on, take them, and get out of here. His remarks cut to the bone as he related how his wife and him had all of my albums of hymns. As he walked out, the officer said to him, do with your life whatever you want to. But remember, you've got free will. Tell you to kill yourself or kill yourself. I was standing there and I read that and it just struck me because I knew I was going to be talking about, you know, freedom from your past. In 1971, Johnny Cash did repent of his ways. He gave his life to the Lord. And he continued to follow the Lord until the day he died. Although he continued to struggle with drug addiction. Um, after t- a tent meeting in the early 70s, Cash became a regular guest of Billy Graham's crusade. He sang at m- many of them. The two of them remained a close friendship through the rest of Cash's life. Graham called Cash one of the greatest men he'd ever known. He became an ordained minister. I don't know if anybody knew that, but in the 70s, Johnny Cash went and became an ordained minister. And the last song that Johnny Cash wrote was entitled, My Lord Has Gone. He took the manuscript to the recording studio, intending to come up with a melody. 
to the lyrics that he had already written, but um, he died before he was able to finish that song. And he died in September of 1969. I was, as I was reading this about Johnny Cash and watching, you know, walking through this, you know, he had some glorious, spectacular, famous moments, and then he had some really dark times. And I was thinking about, um, you know, I don't know Johnny Cash. I don't know his background. Like, I don't know him. You know, I know things about him, right, or what people have said or what he said himself. But I, I do know what a little bit about addiction. My ex-husband was addicted to the same thing, right? It's serpentine. And a lot of times it's a, a doctor who gives them to you and it starts the whole process and then you just spiral. Um, because then it numbs the pain and then you do something and then you cause pain and so you need more medicine to numb the pain and it, it's a vicious cycle. And I can sit here and say, well, I don't, I don't understand how you could be addicted to something, but I sure like my caffeine in the morning. And I sure like my song. I read this quote. Um, it says, everyone has a past. Some have logged spectacular moral failures, while others have managed to confine sins to less horrifying categories. The longer we know Christ, the more we come to realize that all sin is spectacular when measured against the plumb line of God's holiness. All sin is a spectacular exercise in self-focus and self-worship. When we sin, we're really thinking about us, right? We're focused on us. And we have, at least I do, have a list of sins that are really bad and others that aren't so bad, right? I mean, come on, let's be honest. Right? We all think about sins in categories. And yet that's not what God says, right? And I, I started to make a diagram, and then it was just too many. One, one, um, one reference I found had 83 sins with the scripture references. Well, 83 is too many to put on the screen. So I'm just going to list a couple. Uh, ever struggled with arrogance, bitterness, coveting, division, enmity with a, a fellow person, greed, lust, fear, judging, lying, murmuring, which is complaining, quarrels, unforgiveness, wrath, or anger. I mean, if we're really honest, each one of us has had something that we've struggled with, right? Some sin that has has uh, beset us. So is it up to go down or down? You could just see the next slide. That would be great. Oh, good. Okay. Well, um, so what are you comparing yourself to? I, they, they, uh, she, the, in the quotes that I just read, or the, the quote that it says, um, the plumb line of God's holiness. So where's your plumb line, first of all? Where do you, the plumb, a plumb line is this thing, and, and I'm not, Luke, please forgive me. Okay, it's a string, and it has this 
this heavy, like, think anchor, but it has a point on it, and it points to gravity, right? So, so if, you, if you hang a string, it, it'll tell you what dead center is, and then you can look at the line and decide what. But if you're using that plumb line against the world or against other people's sin or comparing it, you're not going to get a good read. But if you're going for this plumb line of God's holiness, anything that's off is, is going against what God says. Now, I tried to use a plumb line one time. Okay, that was a fail. So then, actually, did you know that plumb lines, this, this that string with the metal, has been used for ancient times, like pyramids, like they figured that's how they used did construction for years. And then they came up with a level, which I can at least understand. So you have the, you know what a level is, right? And it has a little bubble in the middle, and you kind of, you got to get it in the middle of the bubble. Okay. Well, they actually had a level back in the early 1900s, but they didn't become widely used because the plumb line was so great. Well, I tried one time to use just a level, and I was building a little wall, just a little retaining wall. I had this issue in the backyard. And, and I, I YouTubed it. I can build this wall. How hard could it be? So you, you dig out all this stuff. You put some sand down and some gravel, and then you put your cinder blocks down. And so it was only four high. I mean, how, how bad could I screw this up, right? So, and Ray says, you got to use a level. Yeah, 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 I know. So I put a level on there. <clears throat> yeah, that looks pretty good. And so I did it. And whoa, was it off. It was really off. And he said, did you use the level all way, all the ways around? And I was like, mm, I didn't do that. So I had to tear it out and try it again. It's still not the greatest work of art, but it's there. My point is, sin, little off. That first thing you do is a little off. You end up completely off. You know, you end up going the wrong way, away from God. So whether it is drug addiction, or lying, or complaining, it's all sin, according to God. And I would show you a scripture, but I don't know how to do it. Still frozen. Okay. So um, in Romans 3, 23 and 24, it says, For everyone has sinned. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God... In his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sin. And I think about, when I read the Bible, you know, I know all of us have sinned, right? You read the, the stories in the Old Testament, and you see Abraham doing something stupid, lying about who his wife is. We see David making spectacular, um, you know, mistakes. And yet, somehow, in my mind, I don't think of Paul as a sinner. And yet, Paul says this in Galatians 1 about himself. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even Paul was a spectacular sinner. He murdered people. Murdered people. Watched them die. And he says, but 
even before I was born, God chose me, called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. All of us are sinners and fallen short. Paul had a cross, but he took it himself, right? But our past, our past, uh, this quote um, that I read in, um, it says, things, things like past experiences and individual differences can all create some distracting buzz and fog up the lenses through which we see the world. So does your past come haunt you and keep you or color the world for you? I mean, we all have a past. Now, some of you, this row, I love this row because all these young people are sitting here, and I'm sure they have no clue what it was like for me to be their age with a corded phone hooked to the wall and no internet. Like, that shaped my world. The toys we played with, I mean, we did have, I did did have video games. We had Pac-Man, but it was on an Atari system, so it was for mostly kids. That's what my technology, I mean, road trips, it just kills me now. Road trips, you sang a lot of stupid songs and annoyed your parents all the way to where you were going because there was nothing to keep you busy. But those things shape us. And they, they do create part of who we are, the decisions in your life, the culture that we live in. Let's be honest. Our culture does affect us. It's part of who we are. And it can distract us from the things that are important. But our sin, I want to talk about how do we get freedom from our sin. Now, David says this in Psalm 32. He says, finally, I confess all my sins to you. And stop trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Hallelujah. But what if it's not? What if your guilt isn't gone? And that's what I want to talk about. Because I have I have I think that I have three reasons I want to talk to you about today of things that might keep us in our past, or keep us trapped in that guilt. The first is, called, is true repentance. C.S. Lewis says this, what we call asking God's forgiveness very often really consists in asking God to accept our excuses. We want Him to remember the extenuating circumstances that led us to do what we did. We go away imagining that we have repented and been forgiven when all that has really happened is that we've satisfied ourselves with our own excuses. Have you ever reprimanded somebody, parents in the room, ever caught your kid doing something and they go, yeah, I'm sorry, and you're thinking, are you sorry you got caught or are you sorry you did it? Right? Anybody relate to that? Or... Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you're talking about something and and you say, well, let's just move on. Let's just get past it. Are you really repentant or you just want to, like, forget about it? Are you you really quick to confess your actual sin or do you do things like, well, I wasn't quite truthful? What does that mean? 
it means you lied, right? I mean, just call a spade a spade, right? Or I just, I just used it without asking. That's stealing, right? Are we, be, are we really talking about what it is? Now, I, I don't remember if I shared um, the very, uh, a very long time ago, I shared a message um, about forgiving forgiveness, and um, I don't remember if I shared this with you all. I was 15 years old, and I had an abortion. And for years, um, I didn't tell anybody about it because I was ashamed, and I didn't want anybody to know. And then when I got saved, I sure as heck wasn't telling anybody about this, okay, because that is not going to happen. But I still struggled. I struggled and I struggled and I struggled. And when I read that that quote from C.S. Lewis, I remember all the times that I ever did share with somebody, I talked about the fact that I was 15, I was young, um, the doctor really encouraged this, um, you know, my family influenced it, I had a friend who was convincing me, you know, you don't want to do this. So this is what you want to do, you know, it'll be over, and you can just move on with your life. And and all of those things are true. The, all of those things are true. They all did influence me. But the truth, but also just as true is I was 15, and I knew it was wrong. And it wasn't until I actually said, I killed a baby. I could actually move past it. Now, this isn't a message about that, but we do need to confess our sins. And in 1 John, it says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all wickedness. I've been set free. I've been set free of that. But if you don't confess it, you can't get set free of it. So we need to do that first. Then the second thing we need to do is forgive. And forgiveness is really extending love. That's what it is. Forgiveness is extending love. Now, I think about Johnny Cash, and, and I don't know what his past situation was. Did Was he able to forgive whoever was involved that caused his brother's death? Was he able to forgive his brother? Was he able to forgive his parents? Like, I don't know. I don't know his situation. You know, my ex-husband, I know, I just, we just spent the day yesterday with some, um, some, some of my, their family, some of my ex-husband's family, Chinese businessmen. And we were talking about the past, and um, my ex-husband's mother was probably mentally ill. And really played some head games with every person she ever came in contact with. And so I wonder, did he struggle to forgive his parents um, or forgive, you know, when our, when our children died? What, did he struggle to forgive the, the, the people that were involved in the situation? Do you forgive yourself? Do we extend love to ourselves? You know, the, 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 
Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, put your trust in him. If you can't forgive yourself, what you're saying is, I don't really trust you to be the right kind of judge, and I, 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 I'm the judge of me. I, I can't let it go. So the God of the universe can let it go, but you can't. You need to like reevaluate that. And that's hard. I'm not saying that's easy. Forgiving myself for having the abortion took a long time and a lot of help from the Lord. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, now, for, So now there is no condemnation. Do you know what condemnation is? Condemnation oftentimes implies there's a deserving of punishment. When you don't forgive yourself, you're saying, I deserve to be punished. I'm not going to let this thing go because I, I haven't, I don't know, knelt on rights enough. I haven't, I haven't paid enough. I haven't done whatever enough. But God says something different. He says there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Now, that doesn't help somebody who's out in the world, but it does help us who are in Christ. And it says that because you belong to him, there is power. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin. God's spirit can free you. to forgive. I mean, I imagine all of the years of drug addiction and all of the things. Did he keep moving forward and not forget, you know, not, and hold on to that? Was he not able to forgive himself for the things he did? I don't know. I don't know. But we need to forgive. The people in our past, we need to forgive ourselves. And then the third thing we need to do is look forward. And as I was preparing this message and I was thinking about looking forward, you can't help but think about Lot and his wife, right? Lot and his wife in Sodom and Gomorrah, in a town that was full of sin and debauchery, much like Nashville and Las Vegas and whatever. I mean, but it was so bad that God said, I'm going to destroy this, this city. And Lot and your wife and your two daughters get out and don't look back. looking back longingly? Was she regretting what they did to her? Was she missing it? You know, are you looking back to see what God did in your past? Or are you looking back to see what you did in your past? We do understand there's a difference. When you look back and you see what God did, that's called a testimony. And that's a difference. And when you look back and you're, you're, you're regretting your, your life choices and this and that, you're not trusting God with your testimony. When we were in Nashville, we had a chance to visit a friend. and um, Well, it was actually a great friend. I never even met the guy. Um, so we were talking about what had happened over the last 30 years or 20 years. 
anyway, it's been a while since he had seen him. And he shared with us that he also struggled with drug addiction. And um, and he was telling us, he was sharing what God did through his addiction and how he ended up in a rehab facility. And probably that was a little extreme, but he ended up leading people to Jesus. His testimony was powerful. And your testimony is what God did in your life. I read this quote. Uh, Dennis Dager is a, a missionary in Japan that we are affiliated with. Um, love Dennis. And he posted this post on Instagram, and it said, It's a daily decision to surrender who you were and let God speak into who you really are. Daily decision. Stop rehearsing whatever it is that you did in your brain. Stop rehearsing it. Stop retelling it. Oh, you were saying, I, I did this horrible thing. I, I just, I just, I could never forget. I could never get past. I can't, stop looking back. And don't forget, the enemy's right there to shove it in your face. You know, he wants to keep us trapped. The accuser of the brethren, brethren wants to keep us trapped. He wants to keep you locked in your past so you can't look forward. Paul talks about this in Philippians. He says, he's talking about righteousness, right? And he's talking about, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things, righteousness, or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to to possess that perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. Are we doing that? Are we looking forward? Because 2 Corinthians says, if you are in Christ, you are a new person. I am not who I once was. I am not that 15-year-old girl. I have been made a new person. My old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Because Jesus paid for your sins, you are free. Free from your past. I, and, and then, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So we need to be looking forward. I, I listened to a testimony of a, a, a man who got saved, and he was on, the scale, on our scale of, of uh, sins. He was really bad. He was a, he was a gangster. He, he was a meth addict. He, he, he stole. He robbed a bank. He did all these things. And one day, things had gotten so bad, he decided he was going to kill himself. He went to go, he was going to go get a gun, and for some reason he opened this phone book, and this church was highlighted. And he went to the church. He walked, he went up to the church, he walked in, there's a guy there, and he says, you know, he comes in and he's like, I, I think he was drinking at the time, so he was wanting some drugs, and he's like, 
I got to talk to somebody. I got to talk to somebody. And the guy who met him said, well, yeah, I'll talk to him. Come on, talk to him. I'll talk to him. He sat down to talk to him, and he's like, man, I got this problem, and I got this problem, and I'm a drug addict, and I got, and I was going to kill myself. And, and the guy's like, oh, okay. And he's like, I just want you to talk to him. He's like, I don't want to hear about Jesus. I want to tell you about my problem. And so he, he starts talking, and he's doing more and more. And, and finally the guy says, okay, you know, I'm going to try to talk to you. And he's like, dude, I got real problems. And he says, yeah, but you telling them over and over again isn't getting anywhere. Let me tell you about Jesus. And so he's like, oh, yeah, okay. So he tells him about Jesus. He leaves feeling a little bit lighter, goes out, buys some drugs, comes back the next day. And he's like, look, this receipt for Luke. And, and the, the addict said, I saw the love of Jesus on him every day. I just didn't see it. I didn't see Jesus. I would propose to you that if you're looking back, when people look in your eyes, you're seeing, you're not seeing Jesus. You're looking forward, looking at Jesus. You're going to be We're going to sing a, 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 a song that, that Johnny Cash recorded and sang at lots of Billy Graham crusades. And we're only going to sing the verse, but we're going to sing it a couple times. And I want Pastor Sean to come up here. Because I do believe there's power in putting aside your past.
You can do the same thing with your hands. You can compress it as well. You can let it go. place where they have something they're struggling with and just ask you to help them to pray for them because your yoke is easy and your burden is light and you choose to take God with you and Lord I ask that each one of us will have the grace to share that walking on love that reckless love you have for each and every one of us as we share that do need prayer, you need to get a word from the Lord, you have a prayer team up here that will be happy to pray for you.